0: Your life and it's ending one minute at a time. I
1: was blind, but now I see.
0: Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are weird. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The biohacking secret show. In today's episode, I sit down with Jason Maxwell of J Max Fitness. Jason's a certified personal trainer, FMS practitioner, and he's dedicated to helping guys build more muscle, get leaner, and increase their strength. His passion is helping people to lose fat, gain muscle, and a deeper understanding of intermittent fasting and all. Things, health, and fitness. His lifelong journey culminated in his current obsession with everything to do with fitness and nutrition, transforming himself from a fat kid growing up in a small town to the rock star personal trainer, online coach, and writer that he is today. In his own words, his current work is, and I quote, the result of me consistently screwing up until I finally got it right. In today's episode, we discuss Jason's strange and phenomenal transformation from aerospace engineer to fitness expert, his mission to teach. Teach others, what he's learned about building muscle and how to develop literally whatever body parts you want, the science behind building muscle. We even speak briefly about the Bachelorette TV show. So, without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Jason. Maxwell. Hey, everyone. I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks, and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. I'm here with Jason Maxwell from jmaxfitness.com, and uh, Jason was a former rocket scientist. And now he specializes in helping guys put on 10 pounds plus of muscle. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey,
1: thank you. pretty excited to be here, actually.
0: <laughs> I, uh, I'm excited to have you. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background as a rocket scientist and how you made the transition into fitness?
1: Yeah, okay. So I grew up in a really small town, and the only way to get out of a small town is go to university. So... During one of our careers class, I looked up online, um, like I did this quiz, and it told me what I should be, and like, number one was aerospace engineer, and number two was taxidermist, and then a whole bunch of random stuff, so I was like, okay, I'll I'll go to school to be an aerospace engineer. Maybe I'll be an astronaut or something, so I went to school for that and did really well. I was top three in my class, but the whole time, like the first year, I was like, okay, I kind of hate what I'm doing. Maybe it'll get better next year. I kept saying, maybe it'll get better next year. But during that time, I started getting really into fitness. Um, So I became a personal trainer that kind of helped pay for school. And what eventually happened is I actually ended up loving fitness. I was like, man, I'm so into this. So when we finished school, I graduated. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go into the field. I'm going to go into fitness and build my career as a personal trainer because that's really what I'm passionate about. My whole family is like, oh, you're crazy. My mom's like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, she's like, you, you could just be a freaking aerospace engineer. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So my blog really took off and I, I, I built it into a, an amazing career over the past like seven years. So it, it's it's pretty amazing.
0: That's that's pretty cool. What now you specialize in helping guys build muscle, correct? Mhm. Were you a skinny kid was you know what was what was your background? What was it like for you growing up?
1: Yeah, so I actually when I was before puberty, I was always a chubby kid and then puberty came around and I kind of grew out of my tubbiness and then I was kind of just like skinny fat. So You know, I was only like 145 pounds, 155 pounds, and I'm 5'11", but I looked still kind of fat, like I just looked so soft over, and it's because I had no muscle on me. So then I kind of, I was like, you know what, I really want to build muscle because I used to, this is pretty embarrassing actually, but I used to watch The Bachelor and like Big Brother and Survivor shows like that when I was a kid, and I was like, okay, All the guys on this show are ripped. So one of two things is going to happen when I grow up. I'm either going to be ripped or it just means the guys that are on those shows are just like genetically gifted. And I could never look like that. I thought it was one or the other. But then when I really started working out and, you know, researching how to build muscle, I was able to build the body that I wanted. So I'm not single. I have a girlfriend, so I can't be on The Bachelor. But if anyone's listening that does Survivor, you know. Call me up. I'll be on the show. Awesome. That's that's
0: funny. One of my clients actually, uh, I trained her and her husband, and she made me apply for this upcoming season of The Bachelorette. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I, I've never, I've never seen it. Like, you know, I've caught bits and pieces here and there, but like, they watch all of them together. <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, you and this girl would be great for each other." I don't, I don't remember her name. It's, uh, I, I don't remember even who it is. But I, I went, and the girl seemed cute. And she's like, "You guys would get along so great." You have to apply. You have to apply. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So finally, I just did it. I did like the short online one. That was like a couple weeks ago. I don't know. Probably nothing will come of it. But she like, she basically like strong armed me
1: into it. That's so funny. Actually, a friend of a friend of mine is a producer on that show, and I think they do the casting. Which oh, is really? <laughs> So maybe if I share this on Facebook and then my friend shares it, it'll uh, someone will watch it and be like, you know what? I want this handsome young man with the beard. So you never know.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that. I'm blushing. Um, <laughs> you, you mentioned something kind of interesting, which is the research and and what I really like about your site is that the articles and studies that you post, you've dug a little bit deeper than just the headline, and it's usually stuff that you know. There's there's a lot of ways that studies can misrepresent the information that's presented, and cherry-pick data. When you're doing research, you're not going to different blogs on the Internet and gathering opinions from armchair experts. How does your research process differ from the folks that are just doing Google searches and reading whatever WordPress site pops up first?
1: There's something called Google Scholar, and you can search... For certain articles there but what I like is um, two people in particular publish um, they have like a research review that they publish and they interpret the results one of them is Alan Aragon has his yeah, which I think is families. really good yeah and then examines research digest which is also really good so that basically covers everything that I need to know in my field so I just can glance through it quickly and they'll just show the stuff that you know, is really, that I should really be following. And then um, some of the guys that end up publishing a lot of those articles, like those scholarly reviewed articles, are um, people that I'll follow on Facebook and people that I'm friends with. So I can always talk back and forth with them as well. So its I guess I'm kind of cheating because even when I was in school, we had to go to the library and we had to physically go through every peer-reviewed Journal and just like read them, check out stuff, and learn, but it's a lot easier with technology now
0: oh yeah, for sure i've I've been subscribed to Alan's stuff for a while, um, and uh, it makes it so much i mean he he basically does the work of the researcher and then takes the information and, and you have all the hard stuff's done for you. And you can just get, you can, you can go right to the areas that interest you. Like if you're trying to focus on burning fat or improving athletic performance or muscle, then you go right to those studies that pertain to that particular area. It's almost like a
1: curation service. I guess the way he, he reviews it is he gives you the proper conclusion that the person should have wrote in the actual paper and kind of relates it to, to what you need to know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One of, um, you know, I, I want to talk about some of the studies that you have found to be that have, studies that have really changed your behavior and, and your approach as it pertains to building muscle and, and burning fat. But like we're talking about misrepresenting data. And I was having this conversation with a client the other day. She's, she's a neurologist and we were talking about sun exposure and I was telling her, I was talking about, you know, how it, it you essentially have a lot of research has shown that there's a quarter the risk of cancer and more so like breast cancers and prostate cancers and things like that were people that get the most sun, especially as you get close to the equator, your risk of cancers decreases. And she was like, well, yeah, what about your risk of melanoma? She's like, I I know that it's like 75% higher. And I said, well, that study, when, when you start reading deeper into it, that data point that's put out there that sun exposure and particularly tanning beds increases your risk of melanoma by 75%. What they did was they took The largest study ever done that involved people using tanning beds. And it was like around 100,000 participants. And they found that there was an increased risk of melanoma in people that were using tanning beds. But the increased risk was the people that used tanning beds had 0.3% risk of developing melanoma, whereas the people that didn't use tanning beds had 0.2% risk developing melanoma. So they would say it's 50% higher. But they didn't just stop there. They then went and cherry-picked other studies that were done by other scientists using different amounts of people in different parts of the world at different times, and they found those statistics as it pertained to increased risk of melanoma. They batched them all together to elevate the number and get that 75%, and then that's what (laughs) they put out there. So there's like a lot of stuff like that that's just bad science taking place that really skews numbers, and all people see is... Seventy-five percent higher risk of melanoma, and they freak out. Yeah, what what are some of the studies that you've seen that were performed well, solid science, and that have changed your behavior and what you do uh, yourself and with clients?
1: Yeah, so the one researcher I really like is Brad Schoenfeld, and that's he does a lot of stuff pertaining to building muscle. So he came out with something maybe like four years ago. 3 years ago and he was talking about kind of the mechanisms that that drive hypertrophy, driving building muscle. And he's talking about mechanical tension, um, what is it? muscular fatigue. I really remember from that study as I used to not train to get much of a pump in the muscle. And his research was showing, hey, maybe there's a little bit more to the pump than what you think. So I I started using that more in my training and and it worked a lot better. And then something recently um, that he, he was writing about, he was talking about rest periods in terms of building muscle. And what his research was showing all across the board was that if you rest longer, you're, you have a higher chance of building more muscle. So I was always under the impression like, you know, Everyone used to always say rest like one to two minutes to build muscle. But now I've been starting to change with my clients' programs and my own programming is, you know, rest at least two minutes if it makes sense.
0: Now, there there seems to be an inverse relationship between building muscle and burning fat in a lot of, in a lot of cases. Like when guys start resting a lot, then their uh, lipolysis goes down their their hypertrophy and and muscle size and strength goes up but then they tend to get like big and a little bit soft and then when they decrease their rest periods and they increase the intensity it's harder to build muscle but they tend to lean out where do you find the sweet spot to be between those two um scenarios where you're lean, you're strong and you also have the the muscle and strength to support hormonal health and
1: okay so a lot of the fat loss programs you'll see, they like to have those shorter rest periods because the idea is to burn as many calories as possible during your workout while still stimulating the muscle. But what I found is you can still lose the fat but you can still train for building muscle in the gym if you if you manipulate your diet. So this is in terms of just really looking looking good and keeping a lot of muscle. And you can actually do it with strength as well. So if you train for strength or muscle building in the gym, as long as your diet's on par, you're okay. But if your diet isn't very good, then you really need to look to to your workouts for for burning those extra calories um, to losing the fat. So when it comes to that, I still like to do it with strength training because I think that's probably the most important thing to do. But what I like to do is superset an upper body lift with a lower body lift, and then what happens is your your heart starts – let's say you're doing bench press with deadlifts. So you, you do your set of bench press, so all your blood is pumped to your upper body, but then you go and you do your deadlifts, so all your blood starts getting – I shouldn't say all, but more of your blood starts getting pumped to your lower body. and. That means your heart rate is going to stay elevated this whole time during the workout because it you're constantly your your body constantly needs to get a lot of blood to the lower body and then up to the upper body down to the lower body up to the upper body so that's a that's a method that I really like and I think anyone can benefit from using that method because it it goes beyond just fat loss it's more of just a well balanced program too yeah yeah. What have you found to be, you
0: mentioned the pump earlier, and like one of, I was actually talking with a, a client about this yesterday, but one of my favorite Arnold quotes is that one. You know the Arnold quote where he's talking about the pump and he's like, "Is the greatest feeling on earth is better than coming. Yeah, you
1: do a great Arnold impression
0: actually. It, occasionally, occasionally things fall into place, but um, my, you hear some people and they say to put on muscle, you need to build strength. That should be your number one priority, but that rarely coincides with a pump. You know, if, you're, if you're if you're training for strength you're in that you know one to seven or one to twelve tops rep range um, and the pump usually doesn't happen until you're much higher than that how do you mitigate those two how is your training integrated the pump you know like I, I've, I've seen some Jay Cutler's training and, and he'll he, you know he can bench three four hundred pounds but sometimes he'll have like 70 pound dumbbells and he's banging out like 30 40 reps so yeah. you look at these guys that are living examples of having massive amounts of muscle, and they're incorporating that too. I'm curious, how do you recommend doing it, and how do you mitigate strength with
1: the pump? Okay, so there's a couple ways, but I think anyone that starts out, they really just need to focus on strength, because your whole base is based on strength, and if we're following like 80-20, I would say getting stronger is the 20% that you need to really work towards that gives you the 80% of the results. The, now, the rest of the results, like the 20% of the results, you're going to get from doing the pump work. But, so that means you need to get strong first and foremost. And it's pretty simple if you really look at it logically because what's going to build more muscle? 20 pounds for 30 reps in the bench press or 70 pounds for 30 reps in the bench press. So you need to be strong first to be able to do those 70 pound dumbbells for 30 reps. Now I'm not saying that everyone needs to work up towards, you know, Jay Cutler strength levels, but you need to have a good base. And then what you can start doing is you you can do a bunch of different methods. One of the methods I like to do is have like a DUP routine. Uh, So DUP is daily undulating periodization, and what that means is one day will be a strength day, Um, another day could be more of a hypertrophy range, like 8 to 12 reps, and then another day can be more pump work to get that pump. So the pump is more of a cherry on top, but a lot of people, if they only train for strength, they start to plateau eventually because you do get a lot stronger, but there's only you can only get so big training for strength, and then you need to start adding in that pump work. Um, another way you can do it is do it all in the same workout. Um, John Meadows does this really well. So he starts out; he feels it's safer to get a pump at the start of your workout in the muscle, and then work on to, or then move on to some more strength work on that ex- exact same muscle. So and exploding. Uh, Being very explosive in the muscle and that helps build the the type 2 muscle And then you can really end it off with more pump work and getting a good stretch in the muscle
0: Uh, very cool what Exercises do you consider to be the most important for overall health energy and strength
1: my definition of overall? Health and well-being and all that stuff is you need to be able to move humans are born And the one thing that humans need to do is they need to move every single day. You look at babies, you know, they're not working on talking. They're not working on anything else but trying to move because humans just need that for their development, but you can't stop moving. That's why a lot of people, they have these desk jobs and they sit every day, but it's it goes against everything that a human needs to do. Humans need to move. So, in terms of movement, you want to have a good range of motion, um, and you need to try to work towards getting getting this similar range of motion that you would have had back when, in your teens. So, you also want to be strong, strong too. So, a, 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 an exercise I really like is Turkish get-ups for that reason. Like, if I had to pick one. Uh, given that criteria I would say Turkish get ups and the reason is because it it, you have to use the core strength you need to have be mobile in all a bunch of different areas in your body to be able to do the exercise properly and it's kind of self-limiting because you have the weight over your head the whole time you can't do it unless you kind of have those movement qualities and that's why I like it it's 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 a very foolproof exercise what I do it for building optimal muscle growth? Definitely not. But would I do it for, you know, having a strong, capable, mobile, healthy body? Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. And what I like, when you're doing Turkish get-ups, you're talking like with like a kettlebell or with a dumbbell?
1: Yeah. I I prefer a kettlebell because it kind of, it sets easier and you don't have to squeeze your hand closed if you don't want to. but. Just just for people listening, essentially what you do is you start out laying down on the floor, and then you kind of do a floor press with the kettlebell, and then your goal is to get to standing with the kettlebell over your head the whole time. Yeah, and
0: one of the things that I really like about Turkish get-ups is that they force you, to do them properly, they force you to engage your core and 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 fire you know get that intra-abdominal pressure and then you also have to have a stable shoulder shoulder girdle or else that weight's going to be all over the place and those yeah. are those are some things that you get guys when they start lifting and somehow you know they go to the big lifts they start squatting benching deadlifting, they never learn to fire their core and engage the tva and like get that intra-abdominal pressure and then what happens is, and I've seen this a lot, is, like, guys banging out CrossFit workouts and stuff that are relatively advanced before they can even get that core engagement. And then as the weight starts getting up, they're getting hurt all the time. And they're doing, mm-hmm. you know, they're doing front, front squats with kettlebells or, or thrusters and things like that. And they keep throwing their back out. But it's because they haven't mastered the basics of, like, yeah. core stabilization and, like, protecting your shoulders by firing the shoulder girdle and things like that. What, what are some mm-hmm. things that you see that are big, that are common holes um, and, and shortcomings when it, as it as it comes to
1: strength development? Well, a core is definitely one of them. A big one that I would say probably 90% of the population has trouble with is actually just doing a proper hip hinge. And that leads to a lot of people's back problems. So it's basically properly learning how to fire your glutes but getting that range of motion and moving at the hips. I'm kind of doing it with my hand, but people are listening to it, so they're not gonna they're not gonna see it. And that is the foundation to deadlifts, but it's also the foundation to kettlebell swings and Olympic lifts. Um, a lot of people what they do is they'll go into CrossFit and they'll do their they'll start doing kettlebell swings and Olympic lifts and they're gonna get hurt because they don't have a proper fundamental hip hinge so that's a big one another one i see is people with really tight shoulders with no range of motion and they end up having like their shoulders sludge forward slouch forward and their pecs are a lot tighter and then they'll start to do a lot of overhead presses and a lot of overhead work and what happens is they don't have that range of motion to even be lifting overhead so they end up hurting their shoulders The last one I see a lot is people they don't have a lot of control over their knees, so when they squat or lunge, their knees cave in, so they're not tracking properly, and they end up getting a lot of knee pain. So this goes back to the glute problem, which is their their glutes probably aren't firing properly, um, so their knees are caving in. It could be a bit more to that, but that is uh, those are the three big ones I see.
0: And and what is if you were to give just one Hack or tip as it for improving your hip hinge, your shoulder mobility. What would that be? How do you help people with that when you're not there in person to use like proprioception?
1: Okay, one thing that'll that'll help a lot of it is just learning how to fire the glutes again. This won't help the shoulders as much as anything else, but so that could be as simple as laying down on your back, uh, bringing your heels, having your heels on the floor and bringing them towards your butt and then squeezing something between your legs and then trying to squeeze your butt to push up in the air. So kind of like a, a hip thruster on, on the ground. That's a great way to get the glutes working again. Another one I really like which would help with the glutes but also the shoulders. It's a really good bang for your buck movement is you squeeze squat down and you bring the pointy part of your elbows to the meaty part of your knees and then when you're down in that bottom position you want to push your knees apart with your elbows and a lot of people they do that but they end up hurting their groin or sometimes their knees and like something's not working but the reason this happens is because you need to try to be squeezing your glutes at that same time to have that stability in the hips and when you combine the stability with opening up the mobility, that's when magic really happens. But you also want to try to keep your upper body kind of straight and using using your abs to, to fix that. So you want to try to keep your head up as tall as possible. And what this does is it actually starts to open up the shoulders a bit.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. Have you noticed a lot of people tend to have like more of an anterior pelvic tilt where like their tailbone curves under as they squat as opposed to like, and it it prevents them from keeping their back flat. And when you see that, how do you fix that? Like what, what's, what's the first thing you start trying to improve?
1: Mm -hmm. All right. So there's a super scientific name for that. It's called uh, butt winking. (laughs) Butt winking. Yeah, butt winks. That's that's my move. (laughs) That's my Friday night move. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well now you can use it every day of the week. Yeah. So when that starts to happen, a lot of times you see that especially with people back squatting. So if you bring it over to the to the front squat and you see if it still happens, a lot of times it won't happen. So if it doesn't happen, that means it's you probably have the mobility in the hips, but you just have some troubles at that very bottom range of motion of keeping your core fired. So it's more of a core problem in that case. Um, If it still happens when you're in the front squat, it means you have a hip mobility problem and you might also have a core problem, we don't know. So then we'd have to really start to attack the hips. The great way to, to fix and open up the hips is is that one that I just told you about, about prying your knees apart with your elbows. That's a really good one. Um, You can also start it out on all fours on the ground, um, keeping your knees about shoulder width and then rocking back, but firing your abs at the same time. I love hip rocks. That's what they're called. They're really good. And then in terms of just learning to fire your core again, everyone needs to be able to hold a plank for at least 60 seconds. That is a minimum. And what I found is even people with back problems, if that sit a lot, if I just get them planking, holding a plank for 60 seconds, two times a week. So that's literally two minutes a week. They have a lot of, uh, it helps with a lot of their problems.
0: Just plank, an elbow plank for two minutes a week.
1: Yeah. So two times one minute. So like maybe one minute on Tuesday and one minute on Thursday. That seems very, very doable. Yeah, it's very doable, and you want to work towards obviously a, a longer amount of time because you're you need to have that endurance in your core strength as well. But you also your core also needs to be very strong for for lifting, so like squats and deadlifts. So there's also a version of the plank, like is um, they used to call it the RKC plank. I don't know what they call it anymore. And essentially, what it is, it's like if a regular plank is like a marathon, an RKC plank is like a sprint. And what you do with the RKC plank is you get into your normal plank position, but then you pull your elbows – keep you you're having like an iso hold, but you're trying to pry your elbows towards your toes so it kind of activates the lats. And then you're going to – so you're also going to pull your shoulders away from your ears. You're going to fire your glutes, and you're going to fire your quads. And what this does is it puts – an incredible amount of tension into the core. And you can really only hold it that, you can really only hold it for about 10 seconds if you're doing it properly, because it's very intense. So obviously, when you're doing the RKC plank, you need to have already trained yourself to be able to contract the glutes, um, quads and lats on command. So it does take a bit of practice. But I would say it's equally as important as doing holding a plank for a long period of time. And when you're doing the RKC plank, are your elbows directly
0: underneath your shoulders and it's just friction that you're pulling down?
1: Yeah. Okay. So it's an isometric. You're not actually moving your shoulders towards towards your toes. So if you saw someone doing the RKC plank, it would just look like they're doing a regular plank but shaking all over. You'd be like, what's up with that person? Like, oh, they can't do a plank. (laughs) I'll show them how it's done. I can hold it for two minutes. No, but it's actually very intense when you do it. Yeah, yeah. Very nice.
0: What are some of your favorite muscle-building foods? Oh, it's got
1: to be all the proteins. Obviously, those are the obvious ones, you know, meat, eggs, fish. Pick what you like and make sure you're getting enough protein. I have this this saying. I kind of stole it from Pavel, the uh, the kettlebell guy. You can see I have a lot of influences from him. But he says, "Veggies for health, meat for strength." But I would add one thing onto that: carbs for muscle, because I find you need a lot of carbohydrates to really, you know, up your insulin and help build that muscle. So if you have high protein and then you have enough carbs to support that muscle growth, then you can really get bigger. So my favorite carbs are just ones that I think taste the best, really. I love um, sweet potatoes, love regular potatoes. One of my favorite meals is just taking oatmeal and adding protein powder to it. And it's like most delicious thing. A client
0: introduced me to this stuff called overnight oatmeal. Have you ever heard of that?
1: Do you like just soak it overnight or something? <laughs> kind
0: of. Yeah, she took, she helped, she came over and, and made some. But she took a whole bunch of oatmeal, then we put in coconut milk, chia, chocolate protein powder. So we used like some vegan, some vegan chocolate protein powder. I may have thrown in a little bit of the organic, uh, non denatured bioactive whey from like the the defense nutrition stuff that Ori makes. And we just kind yeah. of stirred it up. And I'm like, this looks disgusting. She's like, just wait. <laughs> we threw it in the fridge overnight. The next the next morning, it was it was incredible. I was like, it was probably enough oatmeal for like five people, and I ate the whole thing. I just like <laughs> crushed it. Yeah, it was delicious.
1: The the, the funny thing, thing about, about the chia just, seeds is they, they turn, turn into like, like a gelatin, gelatin when they're soaked. Yeah, it's, it's very strange at first. You're like you're eating it, and you're like, okay, this this feels like like egg white or something. It feels gross, like something but, that
0: would come out of Slimer
1: from Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly but it's actually really good my girlfriend what she does is she makes sometimes she'll make jam out of it where she just takes we have some of the best strawberries you can get here where I live in Malta and they're just all of them are picked when they're ripe they're super juicy and have this crazy amazing strawberry taste um, so she'll cut them up and she'll boil them with uh, and then add um, add the chia seeds and then add stevia and mix it up and then put it in the fridge overnight and it turns into like this you know very healthier version of jam that sounds
0: pretty incredible so you you used to be a toronto guy now you're in malta i'm curious you know you chose malta you were telling me offline because it's one of the it's the hottest country in europe yeah and did you notice any changes in your energy levels in your health when you when you had all this this Access to more sunlight the food quality. Well, I don't know what it is in Canada versus the u.s But like if you're talking about proteins in the u.s You have to be pretty diligent about where it's sourced from and getting your grass grass fed organic wild-caught free-range all that stuff That's probably the, the default in Malta. I would I would assume what are some of the changes you've experienced and um, the, the benefits you've noticed because of those changes
1: Yeah, okay so Going back to the Canada-US thing, Canada is a bit different. In Toronto, it's a lot easier just to buy from a local uh, farmer. So you know a lot of your meat is grass-fed. But here, you have to – each country in Europe is almost like a different state for you because the the countries are very small. So you can get a lot of foods that they say, okay, this food isn't local, but then you look and it comes from Italy, which is – literally a 20-minute plane ride away or a two-minute boat ride so that's that would be that to me that feels like local Um, in terms of sun it's been amazing i barely have to take vitamin d anymore which is pretty sweet energy is awesome i'm feeling a lot happier too which is fantastic i work from home so i am inside but i can go outside whenever i want so i like to go out and just do some meditation in the sun for 20 minutes a day and get that sunlight it's really good we can get a lot of good grass-fed beef from Ireland here, as well as some fantastic butter from grass-fed cows. And it's it's kind of a problem with the butter because it tastes so good on its own that you just want to eat it all. But then next thing you know, you've eaten like 600 calories of butter, which I, is pretty crazy.
0: I was talking with Laird Hamilton yesterday, and he was. We were going over what what he eats. And one of the things he's like, yeah. and then I do some weird stuff where, you know, I'll eat like a bowl of butter <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, dude, I just had an entire stick of butter last night. In like two days, I had two sticks of butter and um, I, I found this new butter at Whole Foods from this company called uh, Vital Farms. And it's like, I've done Kerrygold and all sorts of different grass fed butters, pastured butters, and I've never tasted anything like this. And it's like, I'd go and I'd open up the fridge and I'd have all this good food and I'd be like. Just grab a stick of butter and start going at it. Yeah. It's going to be a problem. I need to kind of mitigate how much uh, how much I'm keeping in the house. Uh, yeah, you,
1: you take like a, a little th- thin little bit, and then next thing you know, you take another thin little bit, and the next thing you know, like half the stick of butter is gone. Yeah. Um, it's funny here because Kerrygold here is like the default butter. Yeah. It's like the regular butter because. For us, it's almost like it's local because it's still in Europe, but it comes from Ireland, which is really good. But there's this there's this other one that comes from the UK that is – it's deadly because it's so good. Like you're eating it and you're like, man, this tastes almost like cheesecake or something. And it's because they use really good ingredients. really good ingredients. Um, the one thing I noticed here is cheese is way better than back home. Cheese back home is brutal compared to here. Like you can get some of the tastiest – cheeses it's it's amazing that are actually like from raw milk and that's actually been fermented which is uh, it's really good because the funny thing about cheese back home it's like okay the milk that doesn't pass the inspection to be drinking out of you know cartons or a gallon jug that's the milk that they use to make cheese back in north america Here it's the opposite. They're like, okay, we want the best milk possible and we're gonna make cheese out of it and butter for that. What was what was that brand of butter from Europe that you said was amazing? I don't remember. I just know what it looks like. And I can get it at any grocery store. It's from the UK and it says what it says on the package is it's butter from pastured cows or something like that. So cows that graze on pastures and they they use the word lush pastures in the description man i wish i could remember the name of it
0: all right nice we'll, we'll figure it out we'll throw it in the in the show notes yeah some of yeah. some of my default i mean carry gold everyone's everyone's familiar with carry gold anchor butter is pretty good um this this vital farms is the best that i've found that is somewhat accessible in the u.s and then you know there's there's other ones like organic valley they there's is pretty good they have like an artisan pasture butter and uh, anyhow, I think we've just talked about butter for like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um,
1: do you ever get raw milk over there?
0: Yeah. So the way that they treat raw milk here is almost ridiculous. They treat it like you're buying drugs. and mm-hmm. um, it's, Like steroids. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. The results that I got, when one of my clients was getting it for a while, and he was going to the farmer, and he would come by and drop some off for me. And when I was doing the raw milk, it was the amount of muscle I put on while staying lean over like a two month period. It was like I was shooting myself up with steroids. I, I had not experienced anything like that before. The only downside was that I noticed a little bit of, um, I was a little bit more stiff than usual. And uh, that could have also had something to do with, you know, I'd, I'd had Lyme's disease a, a few years back and like I was. I feel like I was 80 years old with arthritis back then. So I put a lot of stock now in being loose and limber and, and, you know, free in my body. And I noticed I was just getting like, I was, and it could have been more muscle that was doing it it too. I don't know. But yeah, just this year they made on January one, they made it completely illegal to buy raw milk unless you actually own the cow. So they're trying to make it more and more difficult. So the workaround that some of these places have found is, um, these do you cow, cow shares cow shares yeah, <laughs> cow shares, shares and uh, and I love that because these rules are so I don't know I don't want to get into the politics of it but if for people that are interested and they want to find places that, that you can that may have raw milk in your area you can go to realmilk.com it takes a little bit of investigation because these places need to be careful they can't just go telling everyone where to get it otherwise they get shut down um, mm-hmm. so if if someone's interested in the benefits is it just is it pretty accessible by you
1: um, not in Malta. There's actually, I, I don't think the the local beef is that great in Malta because it's it's almost like a, a desert climate kind of. So there's not much grass. Like if you see a field of grass, there'll be a sign that says "keep off the grass," so you're not even allowed to walk on it. Like we were sitting on it once, and all these locals were like looking at us, and the police came over and told us to move. <laughs> but when I was I was living in Ukraine for three months, some point about a year and a half ago. And Ukraine is really funny because there's all these families outside the city that have these farms and each family will have a cow. And what they'll do is they'll milk their cow for the day and then all the excess they'll just put in like a two liter water bottle and go sell it at the market. So you're just getting freshly milked, like fresh milk from that day that was just straight from the cow and then you can drink that. So we were drinking that for a while, and the taste is incredibly different, raw milk versus pasteurized milk for one thing. Um, But I'm actually, I would call my, I've never been diagnosed, but I have a very big sensitivity to milk. I would even say I'm probably lactose intolerant, but when I was able to drink the raw milk, fine.
0: Me too, same exact thing. I don't touch dairy besides butter and like ghee, Um, unless it's like a cheat day and I'm, I'm, I'm okay pretty much having a food hangover (laughs) afterwards. Um, but when I do raw milk, I was fine and, and, and like I could drink a half a gallon of milk or even a gallon of milk a day if I wanted to. And, um, and I wouldn't experience any side effects besides a slight increase in stiffness, but that also came with a lot more muscle. I was leaner, so I was putting on muscle, but I wasn't putting on fat. And um, it was – my strength was going way up. It was it was probably the closest thing to like a food steroid that I'd, I'd ever
1: experienced. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's very cool. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I used to take a liter of raw milk and just drink it during my workout.
0: Really? That's, that's pretty yeah. badass. And I, did you see some pretty sizable gains from that?
1: Yeah, I did. But what was happening was I, I stopped doing it because for some reason – the milk we were getting, it would um, it would sour like within a week, and if we didn't finish it within the week, then I would be drinking sour milk during the workout, and that was always kind of gross to me. So I I, I switched.
0: <laughs> oh, that
1: sounds like a nightmare. Because <laughs> like, you can drink sour milk, no problem. Like it's it's okay to drink it. It's you can't drink pasteurized sour milk because then it's just dead bacteria. Yeah. But, you could have milk. You could have raw milk in your fridge for four months, and you could still drink it.
0: What's like? What's your morning routine like? What, what's the first sixty to ninety minutes of your day?
1: Okay, my m- morning routine is pretty boring because I just I, I fast in the morning, so I just kind of wake up, get out of bed, brush my teeth, and start working. But I could talk to you a little bit about my pre-bed routine. Yeah. If you want, that'd be awesome. Okay, my my pre-bed routine is very. Some people would say it's pretty crazy, but I think it's amazing. And <laughs> what it does, what it is is, I like to get eight and a half hours of sleep per night, or at least eight. Um, so I plan it so it's lights out eight and a half hours before I want to wake up. And what, so what time is that from, usually? So that's usually um, eleven. Lights out at eleven. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. I was just curious what time frame. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so let's let's actually use that. So two hours before that, nine o'clock. So no cell phones or tablets or computers um, two hours before bed. Reason is because I found it just makes me antsy, and then there's research showing that it it kind of reduces uh, melatonin production and kind of inhibits it and suppresses it. So uh, definitely don't do that. Um, then. What I'll do is, you know, all the regular things: brush your teeth, whatever. And I'll take, um, I'll take 1.5 milligrams of melatonin, a certain amount of magnesium, I don't remember, a certain amount of zinc, and then just all my multivitamins at that time. Magnesium helps me calm down. Um, melatonin helps me have a deeper sleep, and I take the rest of the, like the multivitamin and all that stuff because it's just easier for me to take it all at that time. Then here's where the fun comes in. I'll, I have, my whole room is just completely blacked out, but what I'll do is I'll light a bunch of candles and read the candlelight for an half an hour to an hour before it lights out. Um, and I got this idea because if you ever go camping, everyone's sitting around the campfire, it's like nine 30 and everyone's starting to yawn. And it's just because it's more natural for us to be chilling around a firelight at nighttime. So this is just a theory I have, but it, it works really well. And I'll read fiction before bed because if I read nonfiction, I get a little too excited. So reading the fiction kind of helps me transition into like transition my mind into starting to dream. So that's it in a nutshell. That that's pretty cool. I've been
0: I've been using the candles uh, as, as well at night. Like you can see here, I've got these Himalayan rock salt things, and then you drop a little. Um, i get I get beeswax candles, both of which, when exposed to heat, emit negative ions um, that can be energizing and have have uh, health health benefits and antioxidant properties. What are some of your favorite books of all time and part b of that question? What book have you gifted more than any other?
1: So my favorite book of all time as a fiction book is this book called eleven twenty two sixty three by Stephen King. It's not even a horror book, it's a time travel book. So, naturally, as being like, I guess, like a science nerd or whatever, the time travel is just fascinating. And it's just a really well written book because usually it's geeks writing time travel books or science fiction, and geeks don't write the best stories. Stephen King writes some really great stories. He's, so, he's incredible. Yeah, so that's a really great book. Um, to tell you the truth, the book I've given people the most is uh, called No BS Time Management uh, from Dan Kennedy. And it's just a book to really free up some time in the day and kind of help stopping people from, you know, interrupting your day and, and all that stuff. Um, I haven't given that book in a while, but it, it's definitely a solid book. Um, for nonfiction, I would say my favorite book is probably Tim Ferriss's Four-Hour Chef. And it's just a really cool book that teaches anyone how to cook in like sixty days. But there's a whole bunch more great stuff in that book. So interesting.
0: Yeah, I um, I'm a big fan of of Tim's stuff, and I'd, I'd love to I'd love to do an interview with him at, at some point in time. So if anyone if anyone's connected with Tim, give him a shout and tell him to tell him to get on the show. Last question. Let's see what's a what's a fun one here. Okay, if you, if, if you knew that you were going to be spending a year on a deserted island and you could bring three things with you, your girlfriend's a given, so she's, okay. allowed, she's allowed to come. <laughs> um, and, but you can bring like three physical items, products, m- music, CDs, books, whatever it is, whatever you want, but you only get to pick three things. What, uh, and you have food and like your basic needs taken care of. These are things that like bring you enjoyment. What, what do you okay. choose? I would probably
1: bring my e-reader loaded up with books uh, to, go. <laughs> know, to give me something to do. But then I would need to be able to charge it, so probably a solar charger.
0: Uh,
1: yeah. um, and then honestly, if I could make like an air conditioning chamber that is like plastic all around it, and it just air conditions this place, this area where you sleep and it keeps bugs out, I would be very happy.
0: Yeah, right, right. Mosquito nets are, are key. I um one of my friends got married in like Riviera Maya and I went down early and I was like I was staying in this little hut by the ocean and I was like, Oh, this is gonna be incredible. And it was incredible, but the my my hut was just overrun with mosquitoes and like if I wasn't under that mosquito net, it was like <laughs> I was I was their buffet.
1: <laughs> oh man.
0: Yeah, so you could only imagine. Well, Tell us a little bit about what's go- what you've got going on at, at JMAX Fitness, You know how people can get their hands on that, that program that helps them to build 10 pounds of uh, muscle.
1: Yeah, so just go to jmaxfitness.com, enter your name and email on that page, and what I'll do is I'll automatically send you my guide teaching you how to gain 10 pounds of muscle, but you're going to get so much more from all the emails I always like to give some kind of value in every single email I write. So it's really good to be on there.
0: And and they're also benefiting from the fact that you are going through all of these studies and, and you know curation services, and then you're picking the best from those and putting them in what you
1: share. Yeah, essentially. Um, what I like to do is always make sure that I'm learning and then teaching people what I'm learning, teaching people... Based on my failures, based on things I've discovered that work really well, so you're basically getting state of the art stuff. Very cool.
0: Well, Jason, I had fun. I really appreciate you taking the time uh, out of your day to to chat, and um, it's been very cool and very informative. I've got a ton of notes and and stuff that I'm gonna put to work. I uh, thank you, my man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a good time. Good time for sure. This episode is brought to you by Millennial Health Systems. Millennial Health Systems engineers innovative and practical light hacking tools for enhancing energy, detoxification, boosting immune function, improving focus, accelerating recovery, and much, much more. They're the brains behind two of my favorite light biohacks I've been using for a long time now with myself and with clients, the Theralumin and the Spectrumite. The Spectrumite utilizes multiple frequency and color combinations delivered through 40 high powered LEDs to increase mitochondrial function, the little energy powerhouses in our cells that produce ATP, boost nitric oxide production, and encourage a state of relaxed focus. It's based on NASA research, which has found this type of low-level laser therapy, abbreviated LLLT, greatly enhanced the natural wound healing process and more quickly returned patients to pre-injury and pre-illness levels of activity. It's a one-stop shop for all of your light hacking needs. I use both the special Spectrumite and the Theralumin every week and consider the Theralumin a cornerstone of the programs I put together and has helped some of my clients recover from chronic fatigue and other conditions with infectious causation like Lyme's disease. The Spectrumite is controlled via Wi-Fi using a smartphone application that's both intuitive and easy to use. And the Theralumin has literally two buttons on and off. It's very simple. You can check out both products at millennialhealthsystems.com. That's millennialhealthsystems.com. Two L's and two N's in millennial. And right now, my listeners, that's you guys, will get $100 off the Theralumin and $50 off the Spectrumite. Just mention the code biohacks to get that discount. This episode is brought to you by BiOptimizers. That's bioptimizers.com. And more specifically, there are two products that I use every day, and P3OM probiotics. Masszymes is a medical grade enzyme formulation that increases your enzyme potential, allowing for optimal protein digestion and absorption necessary for growth. Additionally, the formulation cleanses your GI tract of undigested protein while improving energy and cognitive function, all the while reducing the resources needed for the metabolization of food. And less resources being allocated toward the metabolization of food by your body means more energy for you. Masszymes is the strongest proteolytic enzyme formulation on the market today, and at 85,000 HUTs, it contains more protease per capsule than any other formula. P3OM probiotics are a patented probiotic formula developed by one of the world's leading probiotic experts. P3OM uses a patented process to enhance L-plantarum's capacities, resulting in a new super strain that may be the most powerful probiotic developed. This probiotic is designed to help you combat viruses, retroviruses, and super bacteria. I use P3OM and MassZymes every day, along with a number of other probiotic supplements that I cycle which is an important aspect of getting the best effect from your probiotics. So you never want to take probiotics. You never want to take the same probiotic every single day, and you never want to take the same amount every single day. So I am constantly cycling in different probiotics that I have found to be the most effective, changing up their dosage to keep the body adapting and constantly evolving. So... You can save 10% on your first order of P3OM probiotics and mass zymes by going to buyoptimizers.com. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S and entering discount code biohacks, that's B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S, at checkout. So once again, that's Masszymes and P3OM probiotics, and you can save 10% on your first order at buyoptimizers.com with discount code biohacks.